So we're here with Lisa Cotter. Uh, Lisa just taped a Life on the Rock episode. And Lisa, I wanted to ask you just uh, a couple follow-up questions. I, I didn't realize the, uh, the emotional aspect of the chastity work that you do. I was inspired by love and responsibility. Can you talk about how that came to be? Yeah, I think um, it, it was something that I had studied at Benedictine College. We spent a lot of time reading that book and did a whole senior seminar on it and really dived into how it works. And one thing that really struck me that Pope John Paul II talked about was the difference between sentimental love and sentimental attraction and sensual love or sensual attraction. And I think the sensual side was something that was really easy for me to understand in our um, classes just from hearing chastity speakers and things like that but the sentimental side was something that I hadn't really considered before how there's an emotional side to attraction where you kind of you see a person there's something about them that grabs you there's they're fascinating you want to spend time with them you like being with them you find them to be really um, funny or engaging and so there's this whole other side to attraction that I think often is overlooked when we're looking at um, purity as a whole, and that was kind of the piece that really struck me in that class is something that was more of a struggle for me because I had determined that I wanted to be a chaste person, and I had decided that I wanted to live a life that was going to be pure in the physical realm, um, but I was still having a hard time navigating mm -hmm. dating and relationships, so it really struck me. And is it is it come down to that you know, we can use the other person emotionally for some emotional gratification. Is that at the heart of what we're talking about? Definitely, yeah. It really is. It, it's something that's um, not as easily seen as a physical use, a, a more of an emotional use, but there are certainly ways, and JP2 clearly points out a few of the ways that you can emotionally use somebody in a relationship, whether that be for an emotional high, for those good feelings of being around them or really enjoying their... Um, presence in a way that, you know, is just the butterflies and things like mm -hmm. that, but not actually seeing them as a person, but more so as something that brings you pleasure. And that's mm -hmm. kind of the end of it. Right. And how two young people dating, they need to get to know each other before they get married, but how do they judge that line of, you know, exposing too much of them, their heart, so to speak? Yeah, I think the, the first is recognizing that you're going to do that. There's, there's going to be the butterflies, and that's a good thing. You want yeah. to have that emotional connection, yeah. and you want to feel that, um, you know, in your heart, you know, a, a, a care that grows into a love for them. Um, I, I think that um, for young people, it's, first of all, recognizing that that's going to be happening, that there's going to be an emotional side right. to it. So making sure that you're not allowing your emotions to run the day, but that you're um, being aware of of the uh, the sentimental side of love that's going to come up um, and kind of keeping that in check and recognizing it for what it is. Um, mm -hmm. JP2 often talks about the importance of, of asking yourself, is it really so? Is the relationship that I am seeing in front of me, is it really so? Is this person really um, kind and patient and caring? Are these things that I've kind of put on them because I want to see that in them? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's keeping focused on allowing your intellect to do its job. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the job of the emotions to tell you what is truth, it's the job of the intellect. So mm. you're making sure that you're aware at all times um, and enjoying that, that fun mm. stage of, of mm. the beginning of a relationship, but at the same time not allowing it to be the defining factor of your entire relationship. I seem like I remember in the book he said something like, you know, these powerful feelings, sentiment are not 
the essence of the law, but it's like a building blocks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. He says that that it's um, it's necessary for um, it to turn into authentic love. You right. need to have that. In fact, he says that the uh, the emotions keep two people close together and it binds them. Right. So he's saying that it's it's an important aspect of the relationship, and it, um, it's something that we use to to gauge whether or not you know we're going to be compatible with this person. You don't want to. You can't. It's not good to get into a marriage where you have no feelings for each other. And there needs to be some, you know, in terms of feelings, because that's yeah. going to help you along when things do get hard. Yeah. That bond, that emotional closeness that you have is, is going to be really necessary when things get rough. And in your talks, how do you describe, like, that, that real love that comes about, like kind of the sacrificial love when it grows you know, after they've been married for a while? How do you describe Because I know, like, in our movies, our romantic comedies, it's always... You know, it's always up to that stage of some kind of commitment where it's implied they're gonna they're live happily ever after. They never show us the happily. It's always this intense emotional part of it. How do you describe that fullness yet to come? That's even richer, right? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to um, the true definition of love, and that is willing the good of the other. So you find yourself not just wanting this person um, to to succeed or do well because. You want you wish them well, but but you really desire that for them. You want them to grow in virtue and holiness. You want them to find fulfillment in life, and you're willing to make sacrifices for that to happen. You're willing to journey along with them and walk that road, even if it's maybe not the path that you would choose um, or not the path that you were expecting, but you're willing to make those sacrifices for their own sanctification and for their coming fully alive. And uh, just the last point, I love the way you ended the show tonight uh, in talking about the role of Christ as being our rock and our, our, our deepest satisfaction. Tell us, how do you communicate that to young women and how, if they're not there, what do you tell them how to get there, how to, you know, to bring that about? How do you bring about that? Um, a real relationship with Christ that's nurturing. Yeah, there's there's kind of a couple of practical pieces of advice that I do give to ladies. Um, one of the first ones that I that I tell them that's very practical is to take a media fast and spend a few months or um, however long. I I think usually three months is kind of a minimum that you need to do where you just remove all of those media images of love, whether that be love songs or whether it be um, romance novels or reality TV shows. All those things that are portraying love in a false way and kind of rid your life of that for a while and allow your heart to start to see more clearly what's going on because I think you kind of have to reorder um, and, and see more clearly what love is by removing yourself from what is false and what is being given to you that isn't true. And I think that helps women see clearly. It helps them to kind of step away and realize that there's more to love than what's being portrayed to them in the media. Um, and it helps them to start to think more and to kind of reflect on things in a real way and ask themselves, um, especially if they're taking that time when they're fasting from the media to be picking up their Bible and seeing what does the Bible have to say about love or picking up um, the writings of the saints on love or um, even there's a great book, it's by um, Dr. Ted Shree called Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love, which is a great book that breaks down the book Love and Responsibility. That can be kind of difficult for the average person who doesn't have a philosophy or theology background to read. They can grab that book and read through it and kind of helps to heal the heart from what they've been living and try to 
redefine what love is. And then, of course, like personal prayer and things. What What is your counsel to them about prayer? Like, how can that help them? I think prayer is absolutely essential in the process because if you aren't close to Jesus, then how are you going to fall in love with him and allow him to be the one who's going to fill that void in your life? Because a lot of times women are trying to fill a void when they are seeking men for emotional um, fulfillment and, and trying to have them define for them what it means to be a um, beautiful woman or to have security in your life or to feel valued and worthy. They're trying to seek that from men sometimes. Mm -hmm. But if you can, in prayer, come to know our Lord, come to love him, come to trust him, and come to see that he's got a plan for you, then you're going to fall more deeply in love with him and allow him into your heart in a more real way to where that void is filled with the greatest love of all, our Lord. And then when a man comes into your life, you're going to be able to find a place for him that's proper or same thing for guys you know if a guy is allowing the lord it's kind of harder for men to see that right <laughs> you know mm-hmm. let jesus be your first love as a man that's kind of harder to yeah. see um but if you know they can see him as as their their best friend that that guy who's got their back and he's got that spot in their heart then when a woman comes along who's who's meant to um be a part of their life and that god desires for them to come together as a couple they're not going to be expecting their spouse to be the one who's going to be their savior Right. Yeah. Well, thanks so much uh, for sharing more on that. Thank you. Sure. Thank you.